Welcome to Reasoned, the podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Meditz. Professional development happens through hits and misses, trials and error, and lots of hard work. Join me as we discuss ways for you to grow skills, drive performance, and even build a professional brand. Today, it is my pleasure to have a conversation with Dr. Casey Lynn Thompson. Dr. Casey Lynn earned a PhD in values-driven leadership from Benedictine University and joined the Ferris State University College of Business, teaching business ethics, strategy, and management. She has over 25 years of executive level business experience, including leading global strategy initiatives for the McDonald's Corporation, where she served as a director of global menu strategy. Most notably, she co-wrote the marketing launch plan for Redbox, the world's first fully automated DVD rental distribution system. She is an engaging, multifaceted, and passionate leader who advocates for ethical leadership and universal equality. Dr. Casey Lynn is the author of Fall Down, Gritty Up, the unconventional mental map for becoming your own hero, scheduled for release April 13th, 2021. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Casey Lynn Thompson. Welcome, Dr. Casey Lynn. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? I'm doing really good. I'm so excited that we get to have this conversation, especially given the time that we're in as people start getting vaccinated and are thinking about a return to work and thinking about who they are. So I'm, I'm super excited um, to just really talk about personal brand with you. You and I were talking the other day, we were talking about who we are as people and this sort of remote world of um, being so distant. You know, I'm, I miss hugging people. And I know you referred to yourself as a hugger as well. And so, you know, thinking through the thoughts of like who we are when we return, um, will you share some of that thinking as to like, how do you keep that energy of being somebody who's a, a hugger, a toucher, a physical person? in this new space where that might be a bit taboo? I am a hugger to fault. You know, we talked about that. It's just, you know, I think about brand and I think about just who I am as a person, um, as a mom, as a friend, as a wife. And, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. I find myself somehow in a close proximity to you. You know, I'm hugging the checkout person if I think they're having a bad day. You know, I'm sitting, you know, outside of, you know, a restaurant waiting to get in and I'm, I'm talking to people and touching them. And so my entire just way of living, you know, the way that I just communicate in just my most natural state has been completely disrupted. You know, I find myself even now, so I'm at at the grocery store and I'm fully masked and everyone's fully masked around me. And then I find myself like moving in as if, you know, it was two years ago. So I find myself encroaching upon that six feet, or I guess it's three feet now. And then I have to catch myself and almost like jump back. And it's like, I have to completely change even who the core essence of who I am. So this entire conversation around rebranding, it goes so much further than in a professional sense. We as people, just our personalities, the way that we're so accustomed to um, just greeting each other, all of that is in question now, right? A hundred percent. I think it's in question. You know, I think that... um... I think there are some folks too that have really thrived in this new space of distance, have thrived in this space of 
work from home and um, have sometimes even found their voice. In fact, um, I, I made an observation the other day uh, in the work that I do regularly, there is a, a corporate entity and then there are these distributed um, uh, groups of teams. And mm -hmm. often you have a conference call or a conference meeting where everyone piles into the room and one or two remote offices call in um, and there's silence on the other end of that line often mm -hmm. because there isn't an empowered voice because the room's the voices in the room are so loud. Um, but now we're all the same. We've all dialed into this video conference system. We're all equal footing and the conversations have really started to change. Um, and so I think that that could really lend itself in thinking about who you are as a professional and what happens when that goes away, right? Like how does that change things? Do you have advice? Right, I think that that is so perfectly stated um, because I wrote an article earlier uh, this year that was published on some of my observations of students who actually are performing very well in a virtual environment versus students who aren't. And one of my observations, and it lends itself to what you're saying, is that the students who are really performing well uh, in my classes, it has absolutely nothing to do with incoming intellect or, you know, sort of the age or, you know, the level of the student or even the level of the class. What I'm finding is that, you know, this virtual environment is exactly what you said. It's empowering to a lot of people who may have felt somewhat insecure in, you know, a larger setting or somewhat insecure where, where there's, you know, uh, physical or energy contact, you know, within a room. Now, you know, I'm sort of in my comfort space. I can make my space the way that I want it. You know, I can put on my comfy, you know, little slippers and no one sees. And it's almost like, you know, my mystery kind of cape, you know, I can kind of put it on um, because I'm creating my own environment. And because I'm creating my own environment, I feel more empowered. I feel as if I can not necessarily be myself because I, it, it's not as if I weren't myself, you know, in the other environment. I just feel freer. It's almost as if the confines of this virtual kind of interaction has freed, you know, a bunch of people um, and a bunch of my other students who may not have otherwise felt so comfortable speaking up. So yeah, how do you make that transition now that, you know, eventually, for the vast majority of us, we have to enter back into the classrooms or into that more, you know, uh, a customary work environment. So how do we maintain that, that level of empowerment? I guess I would say first, you, you have to acknowledge the growth that you've experienced, right? Throughout mm -hmm. this journey. I know we talked a little bit about this in the past as well, but there has been some strength in many, many of us that has been uncovered as a result of the challenges we've just faced. I mean, we can't, we, we can't forget about that. You know, we can't sort of say, well, that was sort of an isolated incident. Oh, no, 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 you've grown. You yes. have grown and you better embrace that growth and love it um, because had it not been for this horrific situation, you may have never found the strength that you found and bring all of that back once we start to reemerge in the in the workplace and in the uh, traditional offices or traditional classroom settings, now that you've grown, now that you've kind of flexed some other muscles that may have just laid dormant up until now, bring all of that because we're going to need it. 
um, it, it's going to be difficult as we transition back. So don't cower, don't go back. I mean, bring all of it because it, it definitely is going to play a significant role as we reacclimate ourselves back to some level of normalcy. I love that advice. Just bring it, right? There's nothing you can do now. You have been changed, right? So I think I think that's a really powerful message because I can think of some examples of people who have now been seen as leaders, seen seen as someone who maybe even wasn't considered as a leader before the pandemic and is seen as a leader now in this virtual space. So um, your role itself may actually be changed. It, it's not going to be the same. And I, I don't necessarily mean title, but the way you were seen with the team itself, um, there may be a new set of expectations for you once we go back in, in inside, right? That's not in our house, right? Inside the office, inside the classroom. I totally agree with that. And I think it's a great thing. I think yeah. that that disruption has been an awesome thing as it, as it relates to personal branding and kind of coming out of shells or, or finding a voice that we may not have known that we had. You're right. Um, as far as, you know, kind of the, the repositioning of leadership or even the redefinition of leadership, because, you know, I, I'm not being, I don't want to sound stereotypical, but the one person who may have been the loudest in the room in a traditional type of environment may have been considered the leader. That didn't necessarily translate very well to a virtual or a Zoom environment. It was not the loudest voice or the most dominant voice or, you know, the person who spoke the most. That really wasn't an incredibly positive characteristic to have um, within this virtual environment. Sometimes it was the softer voice in this case or the more assured voice in this case that actually was most impactful and resonated, you know, as the leading voice versus the, you know, traditional hear me because, you know, I can pretty much dominate a conversation there. Like I said, that didn't translate well, you know, over the course of the last year. It didn't. I think in many cases it came off as insensitive Absolutely. to the, situ the situation. I also think um, this has been a real opportunity to start hearing from and listening from diverse thinking to really sort of open the door and think through problems differently than we did before. Um, and to really evaluate, you know, are, are we making the easiest decision or the right decision um, in a time where you sort of had to slow down and to listen, and you've got all these new voices that you actually can hear because it isn't, it isn't overrun necessarily by the loudest one. And I think that's a really um, beautiful moment. I think my fear in this is returning to this space where someone who may have been hungry for that attention, hungry to be the loudest person in the room, returns to their comfort mm -hmm. space. Um, those who may not have been heard before return to that, again, that, that sort of um, reverted space, that quieter space. So I think my question really turns to you as someone who has sat in executive leadership. How do you encourage um, leaders to ensure that the right voices are heard in that room when we return back to, quote, normal, if there really is ever a normal again. Right. Um, the onus on whomever is positioned as the leader of that team, that organization, that group, that role has absolutely been elevated because 
when you think about sort of a traditional kind of group coming together where perhaps we didn't know each other or didn't know each other very well, you know, you go through sort of the, those four stages of team development, that forming, storming, norming, performing, right? Um, so while none of those are kind of time bound, they go through their own natural progression. Now, as a leader, you're kind of bringing back a team that may have already been performing right? Or, or at a minimum norming. So now it, it's throw all of that out of the window and we're starting all over again. So as the leader in making sure that this whole forming stage happens, there is an overt, an, an intentionality that needs to happen on the part of that leader in saying, even if they don't say it out loud and recognizing we're, we're forming again. I don't care if we have been working together for the last 10 years, we are reintroducing ourselves, who we are, what we stand for, what our expectations are. All of that starts over again. You know, I might know your kids' names and your dog's names, but pretty much that's it. Because you as a person, I need to look at as someone that I really don't know that I am exploring, that I'm learning about again and allow that forming stage to happen and not force it. And as you kind of get into that storming stage, right, that everyone wants to rush through, yeah, this one is going to take a little bit longer, in my opinion. And as leaders, we need to allow our teams to go through those states naturally and also call them out because we as on the team, they may not realize what's happening. You know, I've been over your house for dinner, you know, five years ago. I was there every other weekend. Well, you know what? A lot of things changed since, you know, COVID. I had a lot of things happen to my family. I had a lot of things happen to my finances, to me too. So, so the whole dynamic is starting all over again. And I really think it's gonna be exacerbated. It's going mm -hmm. to be worse than had we just met, right? So, because we're coming in with expectations mm -hmm. and people have changed and they may not be able to meet those expectations. Some may be able to exceed them. So that's why being intentional and being patient and being overt with your teams and saying, this is where we are right now. This is what's happening. Because I have to believe that, as I said earlier, a lot of teams may not even be aware as to why am I having conflict? You know, why am I having struggles? I've been here for years. Well, that was pre-COVID. That was a different, a, a different you, right? That was a, a, a two years ago you. Um, you've gone through a lot and it's going to affect you in many ways. And until you get in this business environment, you really may not know to what degree you've been affected. So give yourself some forgiveness too. I love the idea of this, like it, truly a reintroduction. You might've worked together for a decade, but you've grown. Like I think, it, and, and, yeah. and things have changed, right? So, so I love planting the seed of a concept of to leaders ask how have you grown yeah what did you find different in the work from home environment than you might find when you were previously um, in the office what was empowering to you what was scary for you what um, what made you feel successful what made you feel like a failure and sharing in that together but also as a leader addressing the elephant in the room, um, so really sort of pushing the forming, but then really addressing that elephant and basically saying, this is going to be hard. It's going to be awkward, right? Um, huggers unite. 
because like we're, yeah. we're really going to struggle <laughs> through this whole process, right? Um, I even think the 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 lunch, coffees, etc., are going to be quite awkward for some time as we think about communal spaces and 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 other areas to sort of struggle through. So I, I say here here to that really um, as a leader. Um, don't rush that conversation because I think that's a real key point that you're putting there, but embrace the fact that it has to be part of the day-to-day. And I love what you said too, um, building on that. So we're, we're expressing what are some of those things that we found empowering? What are some of those, you know, things that we became really comfortable with and we were able to function within, you know, outside of the office, but then how can we bring some of those things? How can we bring some of that learning? learning or, you know, um, um, incorporate some of those comforts here in this environment, um, because they may not have really been acknowledged or recognized had the, the situation not occurred. So who knows, you know, that may have been some of the conflict before pre-COVID, that now that you've had a chance to kind of spread your wings and figure things out, well, let's bring some of those learnings here into, you know, our environment, let's make this environment better. So I just think that that would be a huge opportunity. And, Tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. And one other thing you said that I thought was, you know, interesting. I, if, if I could just give a quick, you know, yeah, personal, do. A personal example. So I'm on a board here um, in my city and we've had all of our meetings, like, you know, most, most governmental agencies, we've had our, a lot of our meetings virtually, of course. And, you know, we were talking about, well, in April, we were going to come back. You know, that was going to be our first face-to-face meeting. And I think I was the only person on this board who whose heart jumped, like skipped a beat a little bit. And I thought to myself, are we are we are we ready? You know, mm. I know we all want to get back together and, you know, we're excited to see each other again. But are we ready? Is it too soon? Am I ready to be back in the room. Am I ready to? So I just found, you know, even my reaction to that interesting. And this is a benign, awesome, non-stressful, just group of people, just awesome group of people. So it wasn't any of those stresses. It was just being in the room again. Mm-hmm. post or during COVID, it was just, it's just an, an interesting kind of mental dynamic. So, and that yeah. goes back to this whole idea of us coming back into the office and let's get back to work. It's just not going to happen that way. Will we get back to work? Absolutely. But not in the same way. Yeah. yeah I think that's a really powerful question. Are, are we ready? And I think about this from two different viewpoints. As a person who may be in leadership who's planning the return into the office, are, are we ready? Mm-hmm. Ha, have your, em, your mm-hmm. employees made it through the change curve enough to be mentally and emotionally prepared outside of all of just the logistics of returning to the office, which I'm sure there will be all kinds of various different protocols and things that we would need to follow. But from a change perspective, are we ready? Um, but I love that asking that question actually fits in so many different scenarios. As you were speaking about being ready, it reminds me mm-hmm. of conversations that I often have and a conversation I even needed to have with myself as a mother mm-hmm. returning from maternity leave back into the office. Are you ready? And oftentimes we think we need to come in and be at 100% of where we were 
before we left and right. criticize ourselves for not being. Um, and that's an expectation I think we put on, on ourselves as we sort of return into the office. Often I give advice to mothers who are returning in and something I even did for myself, come back in part-time, start yeah. with a day a week, maybe then it's two days a week. And then you work your way back into the full, the full spectrum. Now, the best bit of advice that was given to me that I now pass down to every single parent who's returning back into the office from maternity or paternity leave is now you get the opportunity to determine what you want to pick back up and what you want to leave at the door, mm. right? Because you got to completely disconnect in many ways. And I think this is a similar opportunity, maybe a bit different because again, we've not been fully disconnected. We've been disconnected physically and not from the work. But what from a, from a culture, values, perspective, do you want to keep? And what do you want to leave behind? I think there's a real opportunity to have that conversation. I think that that is such an, ex so that's the exciting part to me. That, you know, while in, in my personal conversations with colleagues outside of academia, but in, in corporate, um, that, that reservation of returning back to, you know, a, a sense of normalcy, um, it's almost viewed as if, you know, it is a burden. It, it comes with sort of a negative type of connotation. Whereas I am actually looking at it as such a positive, and we're, we're talking about branding, but such a positive rebranding opportunity. It's almost as if, I mean, not as severe as, you know, moving to a new town, right? Where you can sort of recreate this persona. Um, but it, it is a redefinition of who you are, a re-evaluation evaluation of what you may have valued a year and a half, two years ago, may not even be in your consideration set right now. This is your opportunity to redefine what is important to you, what isn't as important, what's not important at all, and start to live your life to the fullest based on those characterizations. And there is nothing more glorious or more empowering than having that ability to do so. And if ever there was a time, this is the time that we are all allowed, no one's given you that opportunity. We are all allowed that opportunity mm -hmm. to go through that, you know, sort of self reevaluation as we re-enter into, you know, traditional environments. We owe it to ourselves. Yeah, well, I absolutely agree that we so owe it to ourselves. In fact, not taking the opportunity now uh, is a real missed opportunity to think that you could do it later. Um, but you still, I think, need to be ready, but uh, have the conversation because we're just getting started in this re-entry phase of, of post-COVID mm -hmm. life. I think, I think you also really hit on something. You know, Part of personal brand is that value set. What is really right. important to you? Um, and so when I, when I think about that, um, you may have learned that working from home is the direction that you'd want to be. And does your current employer, are they planning to provide that as an option post COVID? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something that you might actually need to consider. Does this mean a job change? Does it mean a location change even? For example, you may be living in a uh, higher density location within 
um, uh, the planet, wherever you are, specifically away from family or friends that you may have grown up with because the job was there in a place where it is where it is more distributed as it relates to work is being closer to family and friends, something that um, becomes an easier value set to adopt. Um, as you think about also protecting your own as it relates to income, et cetera. So it's really interesting. Um, I think that this values decision will become a heavy conversation for uh, recruiting, for leadership, for distributed workforces and for the employee to then make that decision. Where do I want to be? And how do I want to, how do I want to live this newfound skill set post COVID? I love that. See, I get so excited about this conversation. So for those of you listening, I'm just smiling up a storm because one thing that I always talk to my students about is understanding their ethos, Mm. right? Understanding who you are, understanding what how do you characterize yourself? What is your value system? What drives you? What are those things that are important to you? And, you know, there's surface level things that are important. Then you can kind of dig underneath that just a little bit. This is the exciting time in our lives where we can, where we were just talking about reevaluation because for some of us, absolutely is working from home, right? And then others, we may say that's it, because it's sort of surface level, what it feels like we want, but is what we really want just freedom or a little Mm. bit of the allowance to kind of, you know, be a little bit more modular or customize our days just a little bit more so that what if I could just go pick the kids up or stop by the library on the way home or, you know, take two hours versus one hour for a lunch hour. Is it more about just freedom and, and customizing my life more so than just working from home. And I say that just to push us to -hmm. think about it a little bit deeper because it's easy to kind of see, well, you know what? I love just working, being able to work at night. Well, maybe that isn't it. Maybe it's just the freedom of picking your hours. And and so I would just challenge all of us, myself included, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm doing it every day now um, just to really identify truly what is kind of that surface level need that we're just loving about this this environment that we're in now um, as it relates to to work and personal branding and that sort of thing. But as we're looking to reintroduce ourselves, you know, underneath the surface level kind of enjoyments, what are those things that are truly going to drive our happiness? What are those things that are truly going to give us peace? Um, and, And that's what we should be digging really deep into, because as much as it is the responsibility of that leader and the employer or wherever it is that we're 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 that's consuming our time during the day, we're equally responsible, if not more responsible for ensuring that we're happy. Right. Ensuring that we're living the best possible life that we can live within the environment that we're living. So owning that responsibility and being accountable for that is so important right now. And that's why I keep saying exciting because we're, we're, we're steering our own ship, you know, we're, we're charting our own course. And how often do we really have that opportunity? It came at the expense of something that was really devastating societally, but now what are you going to do with it? How do you use that? So that's where we are right now. I think that's a tremendous bit of advice is to take that a couple of clicks in, right? Like really zoom in, really try to evaluate 
what what does that really mean? Um, you, you know, I think even even if I gave another example, if you have found the same struggles at home as you did in the office, perhaps that environment doesn't have enough structure or is too structured, right? So I think you can even look at it here if problems have followed you no matter the location, is there something about the process that is causing right. concern for you to look into? So I, I really love this of just um, going a bit deeper. What is it exactly that sort of drives some of that decisioning. You know, when I, when I think about personal brand, um, you know, I think there are um, a lot of facets of brand. And I think folks often uh, assume that their personal brand are their materials, right? My brand is my resume and my LinkedIn profile and my website and my, I think there's an element of that, recognizability. Yeah brand, et cetera, right? I think we put it in the marketing category. Um, how would you actually define personal brand for the listeners? So for me, I actually look at, I, I come from a business background and um, in business, there's a term called the triple bottom line that you know any business should be looking at their employees, looking at you know their stakeholders, looking at the environment. Those terms are sort of inter uh, interchangeable. Um, but you know, looking at the profitability employees environment, it depending on you know sort of the construct of your company. But I also look at personal brand sort of threefold as well. Um, I look at you know the reflection of you as a person, what you represent. I look at how you, well, you as a person within your business environment. I look at you as a person, how you're representing yourself within a societal perspective. So I actually look at personal brand being multifaceted, but from those three different perspectives. Um, and, you know, I do a lot of conversations and coaching as it relates to people who are like, okay, what is my, like, how do I determine my brand or where do I start? And I always, you know, tell them to look in these four areas. And, you know, initially you need to sort of step back. And we were talking about ethos just a little bit earlier, but envision. So if you just think of the word vision, so what is it that you vision yourself to be? Um, and this isn't some fabricated, you know, I, I envision myself, I'm, I'm five, seven now as this eight foot tall. No, it's realistically, what is it that you want? Who do you want yourself to represent? You know, when you, when people think about you from a personal, from a societal, from a business context, what are those things that you want to be sort of representative of your values, who you are? So it's having sort of this vision of, of who you want to be. And then moving on to that, just making sure that there is that level of authenticity. Um, because I just think that for so many people, they go off rail because they're constructing this brand based on external factors or based on other people or based on, oh, they have a great brand. I think that should be my brand. No, 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 that's their great brand, right? So looking at that whole level of authenticity for you, what is it that you represent? So having that vision, but then making sure that there's the authenticity that's involved in that. And that's what makes you beautiful um, when you can embrace that. And then having the courage to step out. And if you find yourself, you know, I'm saying, this is who I am. You know, this is my vision. I am authentically this person. I have to have the courage to live that. 
because I may find myself in a situation where I'm within a sea of people who actually value some external things or value materialistic things. If that's not a part of my personal brand, I have to have the courage to say that and hold on and stay true to that. And then lastly, you know, and I'm condensing, you know, hours into three minutes, but lastly, I tell people, make sure you love who you are and love this personal brand of yours because it is you. And if you don't love it, there is absolutely no way you're going to have any type of love externally sort of coming or gravitating to you. And, and even if you don't have that, if all you are is left with yourself, you have to love it, right? So if I were to just kind of, like, as I said, just boil it all down, it's those four areas, that vision, that authenticity, that courage to be, and then loving it despite mm. what anyone else feels. And if you can do those four things, your brand is powerful. And I don't care what anybody else says, you have become your own hero and that is your brand and you better just embrace and love it. I am so inspired uh, <laughs> by, by that bit of advice. I, I think that is um, something that you should rewind and just listen to again and sort of commit to that. It, as you were speaking, it really reminded me of my grandmother, Messi. Uh, and Messi used to tell me, you should only feed yourself what makes your heart shine. Mm. Um, and so there was this, this feeling of you need to put into yourself that love. You need to surround yourself with that love. And then she would say to me, and don't get stuck, damn it. Oh. And so, <laughs> and what she really meant about that is it's very easy to get stuck in easy. Yeah, it's very, very easy to get stuck in convenience, right? And so you have to have that courage to push through what is easy to get to the thing that really makes you happy. Um, and so just hearing your words just brings her living embodiment to me. So thank you. Thank you for sharing just tremendous advice. So Bless if I, messy. I love, <laughs> her. love her. I do too. <laughs> rest, rest her soul. She was an incredible, incredible woman. Uh, and I feel that I am also in the presence of an incredible woman here as well. So thank you. Thank you for that. If I, if I had to summarize for our, our listeners, um, I think there's a whole lot of courage as we start to think about this transition. There is a whole lot of opportunity um, and it is yours to take. It is yours to claim. It is yours to determine what is going to feed you internally, feed you and make you happy. Um, but the only way to get there is to take a little bit of a deeper look, look at the ethos of things, the ethos of yourself and whether that is contributing or hindering, creating structure or creating freedom, whatever, whatever that piece is that's really gonna drive you forward um, to sort of make a difference for yourself and there make a difference for others. Because when you're happy, I think that radiates out. Um, to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, to the work that you do. What would you add as folks go forward? Oh, I'm just sitting here head nodding, smiling away again. I think that was so perfectly stated. And the only thing that I would add is in all of that, the quest is to become your own hero. And that, that is a, a saying that I carry with me, regardless to who I'm speaking with, regardless to the circumstance, we have great mentors in our life. We have great, great lessons, great podcasts, um, great books, um, great history. Um, however, with all of that, at the end of the day, the quest is to become the best 
that you can be becoming your own hero and finding that inner strength and letting that shine through. Because regardless of what's happening around us, we, we have each we have ourselves. We are responsible and accountable for ourselves. And once we can kind of tap into that hero that's within, um, even the most monumental tasks actually feel sort of mundane. Mm-hmm. Dr. Casey Lynn, I just want to say thank you. Um, I am so impressed with the message that you're sharing, the candor in which you speak about it in such a uh, easy to consume way. It really resonates and speaks. So I am sure my listeners would want to connect and follow and see what you're doing uh, and, and all of the messages that you're bringing. So where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on any social media, um, as well as my website at Dr. Casey Lynn. So D-R-K-A-S-E-Y-L-Y-N-N. So it's drkaseylynn.com, at Dr. Casey Lynn, um, and in pretty much every social media medium. So I so look forward to hearing from you. Please reach out. Awesome. I will link all of her social media and website in the show notes. Do take a look there. Um, again, just my tremendous thanks. It's, it's a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. I've been your host, Sabrina Meditz. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and recommend it to your network. You can always learn more at sabrinameditz.com slash reasoned. We'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Casey Lynn, and I'm talking about my new book that is due on the shelves on April 13th, 2021, Fall Down, Gritty Up, The Unconventional Mental Map for Becoming Your Own Hero. So this book is all about how you gritty up in life. Incredibly non-judgmental, but I just provide so many of my personal experiences of where I've been backed into a corner and how I was able to just gritty up and just fight my way through from starting with a national advertising agency as a secretary and leaving corporate America as the director of global menu strategy at McDonald's Corporation, where I led strategy development for 36,000 restaurants globally. So that didn't come easy. And there were a lot of opportunities I had to stop and fail and give up, but I didn't. And I just want to share those opportunities with you so that when you find yourself in that same situation, you can become your own hero and gritty up and keep going. Thanks so much. And let me know what you think. Reach out to me at drkaseylynn.com. Have a great one. I'll see you guys and talk to you soon. Thanks.